now to celebrate the Rangers' win and preach Brad Sanders. 7-15 tonight. The Rangers take on the Astros. Our pastor was born in Houston, so he was born into being an Astro fan. Y'all, y'all pray for him. Although he was gracious enough to say that about the Rangers on the voiceover there, so I gotta hand him, I gotta hand him that. You know, I thought about not coming today because Texas Tech lost their quarterback. We had a third stringer throwing interceptions all over the place last night, and I was just not in a good frame of mind. Um, but uh, I, I asked the Lord to to help me. It's good to be back preaching. Um, man, I just want to say before, didn't worship team do a great job? Um, it's, it's always a blessing to me to be able to be down there. I, not, I probably say that every single time, but uh, to be on that side of things. And, man, they're just beautiful worship. They did a good job. Our tech team always does a good job. All of our volunteers. Man, we couldn't do what we do at Journey Church without you volunteering. Um, there's so many. We got a lot back there with kids and with students and just volunteers everywhere. So, so thank you. Thank you um, for serving. So I get... Um, to continue the series that, that Pastor Mike has started called You Belong. Now, what's interesting about me preaching today is this is the first time that I have ever preached when my lead pastor was in the audience. So I, when I used to preach for my granddad, he was always out of town, and, and it's always been like that. So this is the first time. So this ought to be interesting because um, he's like taking that, nope, that's not right, and We'll talk about it on staff meeting on Tuesday, I'm sure. But uh, he did a great job last week um, starting uh, his sermon. And I think it's probably because of the announcement video. There's something that gets you pumped up when you hear somebody's in, you know, now welcome, you know, whatever. You're like, yes, I can do this. Um, so hopefully that will happen. But he started last week on this You Belong series, and he talked about the woman at the well and about how she was an outcast. I mean, this woman had been in so many relationships and had been married you know, five times, and Jesus says, and the guy you live with now is not even your spouse. And, I mean, she really was at, at the bottom of the barrel, according to society at that time, and talked about how Jesus chose her, a woman, a Samaritan, someone who'd made bad decisions to go and sit at the well and have a conversation with her, something that was unheard of. And we're going to continue that today, talking about you belong. Now, we sang that song a minute ago, uh, Believe For It, and there's a line in there that says, from the impossible, we'll see a miracle. And what I want to ask you today is, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? We're going to look at a story in the Old Testament that you may be familiar with. It's, it's a little bit more obscure than the woman at the well. Uh, I remember this story because when Avery was little, she had a little uh, book, and we would read a, a devotional uh, before she went to bed, and it had this story of Naaman in it. Now, Naaman is, uh, is an interesting guy. He's not a Jew, um, and he is a commander, general, captain, whatever you want in this army. He's well-respected. He's won battles, but he has a problem. And so I want you, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to read all of this at one time, uh, 1 through 14, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. 
Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Or maybe in today's vernacular, why have you thrown a temper tantrum like a toddler? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored. And became clean like that of a young boy. Father, I pray today that as we read your word and we talk about what you did in the life of Naaman, that you would make it clear to us what you want to do in our lives. Help us to listen with open ears and open hearts and ready to hear what you want us to hear today. In your name I pray. Amen. So just out of curiosity, how many of you are familiar with that story? Can you just raise your hand? I'm, I'm curious. So it, it's, uh, some people are, some people aren't. It's a little bit more um, obscure. But the point here from the beginning of this story is that Naaman was desperate. Naaman had everything in that time. He was a valiant soldier. He had money. He had the respect of his boss. But he had a problem. He was seeking answers to what seemed like an impossible problem. He had leprosy. He needed a miracle. Now, miracles all have one thing in common, and that's that they all start with a problem. I think we can all agree that we all have that. Every one of us in this room today has some sort of problem or has had a problem. We're going through a problem right now, and, and, and we're looking for a way out of it. So how can we prepare ourselves to receive one? Well, we're going to look at that today. There's five things that you can do to prepare yourself to receive a miracle. And I know right now you're thinking, okay, this is ridiculous. So if I do these five things, God's going to suddenly perform this miracle and, and this problem I have is going to go away. Well, let's see. Number one, the first thing you have to do is you have to admit the problem. Now, Thursday night, uh, Amanda and I went to dinner with uh, Jesse and Tori Staley. And they, Amanda was talking about shopping. And she said, I have a problem, but it's okay because I've admitted it. And 
I guess that's how it works. I always say it's not a problem if you enjoy it. I like sweets. Yesterday, we had this Amarillo Angels thing. I always talk about dessert up here because the Lord blesses me with it. And, and we had a lot of people here, and we had these desserts, and there was something called peanut butter lasagna. I'd never heard of it in my life. The Lord loves me because he created peanut butter lasagna. And Deborah Nunez made it, so I text her, and I said, I'm going to need this recipe so my wife can make it today. Um, and Crystal texted her the same thing. So um, Amanda made it, and it was delicious. I ate it at 9 o'clock last night. And Deborah told me there was going to be a scale up here so we could see how much weight I've gained, and I thought that was hateful. Um, I mean, the Lord created sugar. We must enjoy, right? Um, so anyway, you have to admit the problem. Admit what your need is. And that's a difficult step because sometimes we don't want to admit the problem that we have in our lives. And we think if we just ignore it or maybe kind of turn this way, that, you know, it's going to go away and it's not there. But that's not how it works. And Naaman's problem was so bad because his was leprosy and people could see that he had a skin problem. So everyone knew. Even though he was highly regarded and respected and had money and, and maybe some fame and had won these battles, he had this problem, and he realized that he had it. He admitted it and went to his boss, which is what he did to take action. He took big steps. That's the second thing. Take action. You admit the problem, and then you take action. Naaman took big steps. First thing is he took advice from a woman that he didn't even know. This, this, this little girl, this woman from Israel who became the servant of his wife said, hey, I know someone who can take care of this for you. Naaman didn't know her, but he took action and he went to his boss and said, hey, she says that if I go here, that, that they can heal me and I won't have this problem anymore. We can diagnose our problems all day, but we have to ask. If you get sick and you go to the doctor, you're not looking for a diagnosis. You go to the doctor so they can write you a prescription, an antibiotic, whatever it is, so that you will get better. It's not just about diagnosing the problem. It's about fixing the problem as well. So we admit it. We take action. And then the third thing we do is we have to be willing to sacrifice. Now, this is hard, too. Sacrificing is not something that we necessarily are good at, especially in today's world. Today's world is about accumulate as much as you can, do everything that you want to do, what makes you happy. Sacrifice is not something that we like to do. Naaman packed up everything. He packed up all his furniture, he took his cars, he took all his money, and was willing to go another land. That's what he was willing to sacrifice was all of his possessions. He was willing to pay anything for his money. God had other plans, though. We find out. Now, so if receiving a miracle requires sacrifice, what exactly does that look like? Well, look at Jesus. Jesus gave up his life as a human, and then three days later he rose. So he was willing to sacrifice his life before the miracle came. So if you want a miracle, you say, well, that, that's great, and I know that, and I read that, but, you know, where I need a miracle is in my finances. I can't figure out how to pay my bills. I'm having to, you know, not pay this one this month, and, and, then, and then we'll pay it next month, and I won't pay this one, and I, I don't have enough. If you want a financial miracle, 
you have to be willing to sacrifice. You know, I don't agree with everything that Dave Ramsey says. He's got a, a lot of great, um, a great advice and things, but one of the things I do agree with is his statement, and if you've gone through it, you know it. He says, live like no one else now so that you can live like no one else later. Sacrifice now so that later you don't have to. So if you want a financial miracle, one of the things you can do is be smart. Sacrifice some of your wants so that your needs are taken care of. If you want a financial miracle, and I know, you know, it gets real weird when we talk about this in the church, but give to the church, tithe. You have to be willing to show God that this thing, money, does not have power over your life. And if you're willing to sacrifice it, then you'll see your miracle. You say, okay, but I, I've got money, I've got health, but really where I need a miracle is in my marriage. My, my marriage is struggling. If you want to see a miracle in your marriage, you need to sacrifice. And what that means is, is that you need to give priority to your spouse. Now, sometimes we don't always do that. Sometimes we, you know, we get a little bit selfish and, 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 and we forget or um, maybe our pride gets in the way. But you've got to give priority to your spouse if you want to see a miracle in your marriage. I promise you, if you do the things that uh, you're looking for, the things that you need in your marriage, and you do that for your spouse, I promise you, it will come back and, and, and be returned. So, okay, so you say, all right, so what you're saying is that God helps those who help themselves. No, not what I'm saying. I don't know how you even got that. What I'm saying is, is that God helps those who are willing to sacrifice. Baseball fans, if you're an Astro fan, be quiet. Now, I never played, I never played baseball growing up. Um, but I was a huge fan from the time I was little. I just, I loved the Texas Rangers. And when I was watching them when I was little was when, you know, they had Ruben Sierra and Steve Bouchelle and Nolan Ryan. I actually got to see Nolan Ryan pitch once uh, when I was little, and it was so great. I've got several baseballs that have his autograph on it. Um, and, then, and then went into, you know, Juan Gonzalez and Pudge Rodriguez. Everybody loves Pudge. Um, and, and, and so I've been watching the Rangers my whole life. Well, if you play baseball or you watch baseball, you are familiar with the term sacrifice bunt. So if there's a runner on third base and I'm up to bat, if I bunt the ball, chances are I'm going to be thrown out at first base. But I'm giving up myself so that the runner, my teammate at third, can come home and score because it is good for my team. You have to be willing to sacrifice. If you look in Mark chapter 10, the story of the rich young ruler, this guy who has it all, comes to Jesus and he says, tell me how I can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus knows that the biggest thing in this man's life is this money and stuff. And he says, sell everything you have. And the guy walked away sad because he didn't want to give up that stuff. He wasn't willing to sacrifice or you can look in john chapter 6 there's this boy and jesus and the disciples are out in the countryside and there's five thousand people and they want to feed these people but they don't have it and one of the disciples brings this boy up and says hey jesus this this kid's got some bread and some fish i mean it's not enough but it's something jesus says, okay let me have it and the bible tells us in john chapter 6 that not only did everybody eat and not only was everybody full, but there was extra. 
that boy was willing to sacrifice the lunch that his mother packed for him for the greater good. And you see that right there. So God helps those who are willing to sacrifice. So what did Naaman sacrifice? It wasn't money or possessions like what he thought. He brought everything with him and was going to just give it all so that he could be healed from his leprosy. No, what Naaman had to sacrifice was his pride. He said, now wait a minute. You want me to go into this nasty, dirty river and that's somehow going to clean me. I got two rivers back home that are beautiful. You should see them. I mean, why can't I just go do it there? Why do I have to do it here? And then I wonder if you kind of read between the lines, I wonder what Naaman was thinking each time he hopped in the river. One, two, three, four. He gets to five and he thinks, you know, by now, I thought maybe some of these sores would have gone away. It's not working. It's not working. What is going on? Did he still believe that there would be a miracle after that sixth time when nothing had happened? Sacrifice leads to obedience, and that leads to a miracle. Fourth thing, you have to be open to change. Everything changes when God intervenes. For Naaman, his entire outlook changed. And I didn't read it in the first 14 verses, but he realized that there is only one God. There's only one God. He had served multiple gods, and he realized through Elisha, there was only one God, and that was the God of Israel. Uh, My dad, who's actually not running sound today, has a friend named Chris Lyles. And uh, he used to work at Pantex with Chris. And Chris has moved away, and he doesn't live here anymore. But when my dad worked with him, Chris was a great guy. He was a charismatic guy. He was a guy that you would like to be around because he was fun. Those of you that watch Friends and, and may know this reference, he was a lot like Fun Bobby. If you don't know, just Google it. Um, he, he was just fun to be around. Uh, but he, he wasn't a believer. And, and he wouldn't call himself an atheist. He would say more of an agnostic. And then he moved away, and somehow God intervened. He was open to it, and now he follows Jesus, and now he is an elder at his church. And he called my dad after all this happened. He said, you know, I just want you to know I'm a Christian now, and you played a big part in this because you you acted a certain way, and and you didn't judge me because of what I did. And you would say things like, hey, I'm praying for you. And I I thought at the time that was dumb. What what is that going to do? You're going to pray for me? What, is that, what does that mean? You never know the impact you're going to have on people. Even sometimes you don't think you're doing anything. God's always working. And the fifth thing, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. God does things his way. And that's really frustrating sometimes. Because we pray and we pray and we pray and we think, God, do this for me. Do this for me. I want it like this. And and we basically give him a list of of what we want him to do and how we want him to do it. And God's like, child, I want the best for you. So I'm going to do it my way. We, We can't manufacture it. Sometimes he works in a way that we've never even thought about it. Naaman wanted healing. 
Naaman wanted to get rid of the affliction of leprosy, but not by jumping in a river. He, he basically wanted Elisha to come out and wave a magic wand over his, his head and say, poof, and it was gone. God had other plans. God wanted to heal him from that, but the bigger thing is that God wanted him to submit. And the healing of the leprosy is, is, is not actually the miracle. The miracle was that Naaman then turned to God. He wasn't Jewish. He, he didn't even understand this concept. He worshiped other gods. But because he laid down his pride and he was obedient to God, a miracle came. And Naaman changed outside and inside. The greatest miracle is a changed life. But we have to be prepared to expect it. And that's the hard thing is the preparation because we don't see fruits of that while you're preparing and waiting. You know, the worship team comes on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock and they've known for 10 days what songs are going to be done. And they prepare at home. You know, the vocalists are singing through the songs and uh, the instruments, they're, they're playing through them at home. And then when you come on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, everybody puts it together from what they've prepared to make sure everything's good. And then at 10 o'clock, they lead us in worship. They have practiced, they have rehearsed, they have prayed. They are prepared at that point for the Holy Spirit to move. Now, we all could just come up here and, and, and have no preparation and just say, God, we want you to move, use us. God's not going to do anything because we haven't prepared. It's like going to take a big test and not studying and saying, God, let me, let me get an A on this. And God's like, you, you didn't do anything. Why, why would I do that? You didn't put anything into it. In 2 Kings 5.15, tells us how Naaman changed his life. It says, then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept, accept a gift from your servant. He wanted to pay for his miracle. We have to expect God to move. We must be prepared. Sometimes you, you don't think God is doing anything and you're going through this life and you're discouraged. You say, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for this. I want God to do something. But if you admitted that there's an issue, yes, have you taken any action? Have you been willing to sacrifice? Are you expecting the unexpected? Are you open to change? You know, while we're waiting, waiting is the hardest thing to do for all of us. I'm, I'm very impatient when it comes to waiting. I don't like to wait. But you have to be willing to wait. One of my most favorite verses in all of the Old Testament is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 31. And I love the King James Version. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting is not fun. And there are going to be times where you look around and you say, I don't see God doing anything. I don't see it. I don't think he's there. 
even when you don't see it, he's working. God doesn't take a day off. God is always ready to hear your prayers. But you have to understand that he may not answer it the way that you want it answered. So I want to challenge you today. Whatever you've come in here with, maybe you're waiting for that miracle in your life. Maybe you have pride like Naaman. Maybe you've got some selfishness or maybe, maybe there's addiction or any number of things. We all have something that we deal with. I want you to lay it down. Lay it down. Lay it down and like Naaman, get in the river and wash it all away. And while you may be looking for a miracle on the outside, what God may be wanting to do is a miracle on the inside. The real miracle that God wants to do is inside you. It is in you. I want you to close your eyes and do something just a little different this morning. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to sing here in a second when this song is sung. I want you to close your eyes and I just want you to listen to the words that you're going to hear. I want you to just let these words flow over you. We all need to be washed clean from time to time. Sometimes we've got junk on us that's our own fault. Sometimes it's junk on us from other people. And, and we just need to be clean. And I want to tell you this morning that God can do that. God can restore you while you're waiting even. Naaman went and was going to pay for his miracle. And God surprised him and said, oh, no, 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 that's not how this works. I don't want your money. I don't want your stuff. I want you. And in order to have you, I need you to lay down this, this pride and this vanity that you think you're so great. Because you're not. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we see something broken, shattered. God does not view us like that. God sees us as his beautiful creation, his children. So just listen to these words. Don't anybody move. Just listen and let it be sung over you. Cast a shadow.
is nothing too dirty for God to clean up. Nothing. And maybe you're sitting out there today and you say, yeah, but I'm not looking for one miracle. I've got a long list of things that I need in my life. I can't do this. I can't figure out where to even start. I have, I have this addiction. I, I can't beat it. I, I struggle with, with pride because actually I'm insecure. And so that is what I project. My marriage is falling apart or financially, I, I don't know how I can't do this much longer. Or maybe there's somebody that's sitting out there that said, I don't know that I want to live a whole lot longer. I can't, I can't, I can't. Let me tell you something. You're right, you can't. But God can. God can. And God wants to. You just have to be willing to sacrifice. And lay it down. And let him take control. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you do want to wash us clean. That, that you love us in spite of the uncleanliness and the dirtiness that we have. Father, thank you for this beautiful story of Naaman. What a great example for us. Help us to lay down whatever it is that we're holding on to. Father, we recognize as your children that we can't do it, but you can you can. Father, thank you for loving us enough to, to send your son and that he was willing to sacrifice for us. We are the miracle. Father, thank you for allowing us to meet here today. And I just pray, not because of me, but because of this beautiful story and because of the Holy Spirit that you would move in everyone's heart here today that we would be receptive to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. The prayers will be at the front, will be at the back, ready and willing to pray with you, to pray for you. Just remember, you can't do it, but God can. <laughs>